Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary, coming to you at the close of the first round of the NHL Draft. My name is Peter Klein, thank you so much for downloading and for listening today. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show Diary at yahoo.com. Coming up on the show, it is a whole lot of NHL reaction, uh, talking about the draft, talking about trades that have led up to the draft, and what we might uh, be able to expect coming up tomorrow. So, uh, once again, thank you all so much for your patience, as uh, this has not been the week that I thought it was going to be, but um, I have mentioned before that big things are coming for this program. Um, if if you really wanted to put all the pieces together, you probably could, uh, but I will um, have an announcement at a later time. So, uh, big things coming for the show. Stay tuned for all of that. And as always, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learn history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, so let's begin with the Calgary Flames, who draft number 16 in the NHL draft. Um, we'll, we'll get into it in a second, but I think a lot of people were expecting the Calgary Flames to draft more than just the once on uh, at today's draft. Um, and as mentioned before, we will get into that a little bit later on. But at number 16, they take Samuel Hanzik, a uh, prospect from the uh, Vancouver Giants organization. Um, and look, I... Didn't do a whole lot of draft prep. I will be perfectly honest with you, but like he he seems like he is an interesting prospect. Six foot three, hundred ninety five pounds. Had fifty six points in forty three games with the Giants last season. Um, he has twice represented his country at the World Junior Hockey Championships, and uh, I think. On the high end, if this goes well, then the Flames get a, a really solid player here. There's a lot of people talking about, like, he is a big kid who is probably going to get bigger, 6'3", 195. Obviously, one of those is going to change, and he's not getting taller. But it, it does feel like he is a big kid who has a lot of offensive upside, you know? Um, he feels like a kid who, like, has, has the hands that if he can get, like, the size thing figured out and kind of mesh it all together, then this is going to be an exciting prospect for the, the Flames. And I know it's not as in vogue as whatever, but they don't have a ton of size right now. And I I think he can be a really nice complimentary piece. And you, you hear the, the reactions from different draft people who are relatively high on him. So overall, it seems like a nice addition. Like there's a chance it doesn't work out, but you can say that about 99% of these kids anyway, that, that there is like one thing where it's like, eh, maybe not. Um, but it, it does seem like it's a, a nice addition for the Flames. Uh, I, I think uh, Julian McKenzie tweeted it out that it's, it, was he best player available at the time? Maybe, maybe not. But it's a, a solid addition for the, the Flames. Uh, we'll get into to more on the Flames in just a, a matter of moments. But we want to continue on the draft side of things. Other draft thoughts, um, it was a bit of a bore tonight. Not a whole lot of action in the first round. It was just like, draft player, draft player, draft player, draft player. No teams trading, no movement, no whatever. Um, and you're going to get this. When you have a draft that is as deep as this draft appears, then you are getting, teams are going to be comfortable. It's like, yeah, there's like six dudes that we like, and there's four picks ahead of us. So we're probably going to get one of them, and we're going to be pretty happy about that. So, yeah, 
You guys just do you. Um, I, I think the Fantilli-Carlson uh, debate is going to be an interesting one for a really long time. That was one that it was, oh yeah, you have these four, but it's kind of, you have like one and then two and then three and then four. It's not uh, a tiering. And so I think the Ducks going with Carlson is a real interesting selection. And now Fantilli going to Columbus. And you think of how the, the Blue Jackets are being a bit more aggressive now. I don't know if Fantilli is going to be a guy who fits in right away. Um, it certainly sounds like there's going to be at least a little bit more on the, the college resume for him before he makes his way to the, the professional ranks. But this is one of the most exciting prospects Columbus has had in a very long time. Um, I don't get the Mitchkov debate. Okay, I get part of it. Like the, the whole Russia-Ukraine thing. Like he's kind of getting lumped in. We were clearly tonight very comfortable drafting Russians, right? Like that that didn't seem to be a hold up here. But he does have a contract to go back to the KHL for the next three years. How many of these kids are going to be making an impact in the first two years? Like the dudes that Arizona took tonight as well. I mean, they, they can afford to be patient. Yeah, or you could draft the second most talented player in the draft and then be patient with him and he shows up and boom, you have the potential of a star. Like I, I just, I don't understand that this hesitation, it's... It happens in the it happens in a lot of drafts, but it happens in the NFL draft I think the most. Where well, we just you know we got the medicals back and we didn't you know okay well what was the problem? I rolled his ankle a couple of days ago. So you know what? That's probably gonna be figured out. You just get like you get such tunnel vision and everything has to be the exact perfect whatever. And if there is any red flag at all, it's it's sirens and everything's going insane, and you can't, no, you couldn't possibly, I mean, there, there was a, an issue at the time, but it's like, realistically, how many of these kids are going to make an impact before Mitchkov does? Really? Probably a couple of them, for sure a couple of them. Is it six of them? I don't know if it's six of them. Um, and how many of them are going to be as ready as Mitchkov in year three of this whole thing? So I, I just, I thought this was wild overthinking by the rest of the National Hockey League on on this kid, and it felt like some of the other Russian stuff was kind of getting just lumped in. Like, you, you look at the teams ahead. Um, Arizona, they go with Dmitry Simashev. Is he going to be a great impact player for Arizona before Mitchkov is for Philadelphia? Probably not. Is David Reinbacher going to be a, a bigger impact player for Montreal? before Mitchkov is for Philadelphia? Probably not, and some would suggest he's never going to be. You know, William Smith for San Jose. Get to him in a second. Um, Fantilli for Columbus, maybe. Leo Carlson for for the Ducks, probably. And then obviously Bedard for Chicago, yeah. But all these players ahead, like, are they, are they really going to be making an impact in the next two to three years when Mitchkov is coming in anyway and he's more talented than them? Like, it, it just... From that standpoint of it, it didn't make any sense to me. Uh, in terms of, like, steals of the draft or anything like that, they certainly seemed high on Ryan Leonard for Washington at 8. A lot of people seemed very excited about that, but it did really seem like the, the big winning selection was Zach Benson out of uh, the Winnipeg Ice on his way to the Buffalo Sabres. Um, and the Sabres are really building something there. Like, they are... It feels like just, like, one thing away from really catapulting kind of the same way that the New Jersey Devils have as well. So um, th this is going to be, I think, a fun time for Buffalo. I think it's something they should be very excited about. And it, it feels like they are really on the come up. It just so happens they're in a division where everyone's coming up. Um, I don't know if I'm there yet on Will Smith. He goes fourth 
to San Jose. And that one felt like the easiest pick of the draft. You know, like, Bedard was going... Well, Bedard going number one was the easiest pick of the draft. But then after that, like, Carlson and Fantilli were going to go 2-3. We kind of thought it was going to be Fantilli 2, Carlson 3. But, um, and then... Will Smith was just going to kind of be what was left at four. It kind of reminds me, I'm not comparing the players, although kind of, um, it kind of reminds me of the the Dreisaitl, Bennett, Ekblad, Reinhardt draft, where you had a pretty good indication of who was going one, two. And then Edmonton was taking Dreisaitl or Bennett three, four, and then Calgary was getting the other one at four. Um, and then at five was going to be Del Cole. And then at six, things really started. And it was it was always just penciled in. Oh, yeah, and it's at five, they're going to get him. It's like, well, why? Um, and it, it just, it never worked out for Del Cole. And I'm not saying that it's never going to work out for William Smith, but it just seems like a lot of the skills that he shows, I don't know how well they're going to translate to the NHL. And I, it seems like plays that he made are going to get shut down at the NHL level. And so... What's plan B? What's plan C? What's plan D? And look, like I said, a lot of draft people are much higher on this kid than I am. So I, I am not saying I know more about draft prospects than people who focus on this stuff for a living. All I'm saying is I personally, with these two eyes, haven't quite seen it yet from this kid just yet. Um, other draft thoughts. I really thought the presentation suffered tonight. Um, David Ember is a fine host. Um, I like Sam Cosentino. I've had him on radio shows before. He has been a lot of fun. Um, he knows his stuff. He is very insightful. Um, Jason Bukala, I think, is really smart in the space. Chuck Fletcher didn't add a goddamn thing to the draft coverage tonight. I, I felt like that could have been a spot where Elliot Friedman is adding a little bit more, well, this was in play, and we know that teams like Nashville were talking about this pick. We know that uh, Calgary was talking about blah, 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 blah. You know, I thought there was a little bit more context to the whole night that could have been added a little bit more if you had gone Elliot and Merrick there instead of a, a Chuck Fletcher. Also, and this is a real nitpicky thing, I hated the the ticker setup they had for those of you who didn't watch they had a um they have the sports set logo and then they have the like oh this team is picking 21st and this is how much time they have left on the clock by the way as soon as the pick was in what number of pick it was goes away which is it whatever but then beside it it's a rotating whatever like it's it's just it's a ticker that's just that keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and it was so frustrating trying because I haven't memorized the draft order. I'm trying to follow along and figure out like, okay, what could be next here? And it, you can't because you're seeing for the 45th time who the Winnipeg Jets selected. And it was it was just it was very frustrating. And remember watching the NFL draft, and it was first it was Jalen Carter. Who's going to take Jalen Carter? And you could kind of like if you didn't. If you had this set off, you'd just be listing off random teams. Like, oh, well, Boston might might pick this kid. Oh, what are they picking? Don't have a fucking clue. But I know that the... the whoever, the, I know that the, the Washington Capitals selected Ryan Leonard eighth overall, so that's fantastic. It, it just... It, it was difficult to keep track of. The NFL and the NBA on ESPN, um, and I'm pretty sure NFL Network does the same thing, but you have the... This team is on the clock... And these are the next two, or these are the next three. And so with the Will Levis debate and with the Jalen Carter thing, you could see like, okay, we've seen coming up here, like maybe it's Chicago, maybe it's Philadelphia. Oh, could there be a trade to move up? Like you see right in front of you who the teams are. And it just adds for a more um, easy to follow viewing experience. And at the end of the day, that's what this is, right? Like you could do this in a back room somewhere in 45 minutes if you wanted to, but this is an entertainment thing. There's a reason why this draft is two days. Um, 
It's it's entertainment. It's a television product at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, the television product is supposed to bring about conversations. And it's supposed that's the fun part about sports. We're supposed to have these debates. And if you're following along, like when the, when Mitchkov started to fall, um, he doesn't get drafted at five to, to Montreal. And you could see probably on the, the thing, if they were doing it the, the ESPN way, um, okay, Arizona's next. Maybe they take him because they have two picks. Philadelphia's next. They're rogue. Maybe they'll take him. You could have those conversations instead of like Googling like, oh man, who's it going to be? Who could be next? Maybe, maybe this is a Canucks one. Maybe it's a, and then you just throw out your favorite team. It just would make for easier conversations if they had the ticker set up differently. Um, another thing, and this is so nitpicky by me, you didn't see the players' names till they got up on the stage. Um, and that was, it, it, it's just like, I'm watching the draft because it's the draft. I, I haven't memorized all 32 of these kids. You know, like, there are people who have. For sure there are. But some of, like, I'm just hanging out watching a draft, man. I And so when you say, oh, well, Daniel Butte or whatever um, is is the next pick for, for Arizona. Huh? Like, give me, give me a quick little thing just up on there. Oh, he had this instead of like the rotating. Oh, he had two points in the three minutes. He got to play in the Swedish whatever league this year or in the KHL. Um, you can have those things after, but I feel like they went too minimalist this year because sometimes you'll have like the ticker on the right and the, the one on the bottom and there's like three inches where the, the actual broadcast is happening. You don't have to go back to that, but let me have the name and the team that the kid played for when they get drafted and when they're up on the screen hugging their parents. If you don't want it bugged for your highlight show after, just send your highlight show a clean feed. Like, it, it was just, it, it was little presentation, things like that. And like, I'm not going to say like, you know what? I don't think Connor Bedard is going to translate to the American audience because they didn't put a lower third with his name on it after he got drafted. I don't think that's going to be the case, but it's just, it's these little things that make the viewing experience just a little bit better. And I wish they would have done that on the telecast. So that's enough about me bitching about TV shit. Uh, let's get back into the NHL discussion with the Calgary Flames um, because the draft is not the only thing they've done over the last little bit as the Flames make a trade with uh, Tyler Foley going to the New Jersey Devils for Igor, oh, this is the first time I have, I've had to say this, Sharon Govich and a third round pick in this year's draft. It seems underwhelming. The, the return for Tyler Foley. I was saying to some people, this feels like the, oh, and they also got Sharon Govich in a third round pick after you talk about like the big thing that's happening. And I get the Flames don't have a ton of leverage, um, but still, you have Tyler Toffoli, proven commodity, 31, so still a few like quality years left, um, a minimal cap hit who just scored 34 goals and played all 82 games a season ago and was the best player on a team where it was kind of difficult to be good last year. And so it, it felt like an underwhelming return for me. Um, Sarangovich feels like he's going to be a middle six dude. Um, I think he could end up being like a good stats, bad team sort of a guy, you know, like one of the, one of the parts of analyzing prospects that drives me up the fucking wall. It's, oh, well, I mean, if they would have played this guy with Gaudreau and Kachuk, like he would have really taken off. Like, yeah, that's, most of the NHL, man, like, Yuri Hoodler got awards for how well he played with those dudes, you know? And, like, Yuri Hoodler's fine, but come on. Um, like, it's just like, oh, well, if you give this guy uh, the full two minutes on the power play and you give him first-line minutes and he's going to succeed. Well, yeah, probably. 
just law of big numbers, he's probably going to do more with 22 minutes a night and eight of those being with more people on the ice than he would if he got 10 minutes a night. So, um, I like, there are things about him offensively where it's like, you know what, this, this guy could be a dude. And he feels like if the Flames do go in the shitter here, he could put up some big numbers that makes you think he's going to be competitive. I don't know how much he affects winning, for quality hockey teams, but I think he'll be fine. And a third-round pick is whatever. But I think for Flames fans, it has to be disappointing to only have had one selection in the first round of this draft. You know, we're talking about coming in, um, and I get, like, it was a, a random mailbag question that just fucking took off with Lindholm for the third overall pick, which it feels especially sh uh, shitty now that it was Fantilli to, to Columbus. And I think if they would have known it was going to be Fantilli all along, I don't think they would have done it. Clearly, they didn't do it anyway. But... I think with all of the rumors around Hannafin and all of the rumors around um, Lindholm, it feels like there could have been something to get you back into the first round this year. Um, and it ends up not happening. And in a draft as deep as this one, to only get one shot at it after the disappointing season you had and leading into what feels like a blow-up time... It feels disappointing. Now, this is not the last draft that's ever going to occur in the history of the National Hockey League. The Flames still have a time to accumulate some young assets here. Even if they get something in the second round tomorrow, there's still a lot of high-quality players that are left around. But it just kind of feels a bit disappointing that the Flames weren't able to get back into what is an extremely deep first round in the NHL draft. Uh, just going to go rapid fire through a few more trades. Riley Smith goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third round pick. The Golden Knights free up some cap space to be able to sign Barbashev to a contract. Riley Smith, incredibly useful player, and I think he fits the way Pittsburgh is going to want to go. The Colorado Avalanche acquire Ross Colton from Tampa Bay for a second round pick in 2023. The Avalanche have done real good work today. Let's keep going on the Avalanche train. Um, it wasn't just today. It was the, this whole like kind of week. They trade Alex Galchenyuk to the Nashville Predators for Ryan Johansson, who, is he going to carry your team to the promised land? No. Is he going to be good enough that he can fill 50% of Gabriel Landeskog next year, surrounded by incredibly talented people? Yeah, probably. So I like that one a lot. They then trade Alex Newhook to Montreal for a first, a second, and Gianni Fairbrother. It's wild that Alex Newhook is getting you first-round picks and, and Tyler Toffoli isn't, but I digress. Um, they do that, and then they, they end up getting Ross Colton. This was an extremely well-managed day for Colorado as they retool here and get ready for uh, next season. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood to San Jose for a sixth-round pick. Uh, it's negotiating rights or whatever. I don't know if I can ever fully buy in on Mackenzie Blackwood, but San Jose just taking a flyer on guys. The other big move is obviously Pierre-Luc Dubois going to the LA Kings for a second-round pick in 2024, Rasmus Kupari, um, Alex Iafalo, and Gabe, Gabe Velarde. Um, if you've listened to the show, you know I'm kind of a sneaky Iafalo guy. I, I feel like um, he's going to have... I think he's going to be really good. I, I think the Jets did well here. Like Pierre-Luc Dubois has very clearly the highest ceiling of any of these players. And at their best on a video game, Pierre-Luc Dubois is clearly the best guy. However, you weren't getting his best every night in Winnipeg, um, and frustratingly so, in the postseason when he was kind of quiet. I feel like Velarde and Ayafalo can help right now in kind of spreading out a little bit of the depth that uh, Winnipeg had maybe a bit of an issue with. And then uh, Kapari is someone that some people are a little excited about. So I think the Jets do really well here. For the Kings... I don't love it. Um, 
Pierre-Luc Dubois has been rather underwhelming and has the idea of Pierre-Luc Dubois has provided more than the actual Pierre-Luc Dubois has so far. So I think PLD in LA is interesting. They, they needed maybe a bit more offensive pop there, but not, not I guess like they needed another difference maker. And if, if PLD ends up being a difference maker, then this is a great trade. I just don't necessarily see that happening. Really smart by the Blackhawks. They acquire Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno uh, for Alec Regula and Ian Mitchell. Boston clearly here uh, clearing out some cap space. Um, while you get Hall a quality player right away for Connor Bedard and Nick Foligno a veteran player who can fill out things depth-wise for a Chicago Blackhawks team that just doesn't have a whole lot of NHL talent on it. So uh, that's going to be it for this end of round one breakdown. Thank you all so much for downloading and for listening. Uh, going to be back with another show hopefully tomorrow talking about CFL power rankings and some CFL picks for the week. Friday, we are going to do a Money in the Bank preview show on Fights and Football Friday. And uh, Saturday, I'm going to be on Game Over Pro Wrestling as we get ready for Money in the Bank. Um, so enjoy all of that. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your night, everybody.